back, guys. Another episode of Tattoos and Jesus here, kicking off another week uh, in May. It's Mental Health Awareness Month. We launched that off over the last couple of weeks, diving into some mental health topics. We've got another one for you this week. Hopefully, you're enjoying the podcast of kind of understanding mental illness, and we're going to dive into anxiety today uh, with some personal testimony, some experiences, and then also just looking at anxiety as a whole. So Marty Height here, one of the hosts, along with Josh Martin. Josh, how's your week yep. going, brother? Um, it's going good. It's going good. A little crazy. Um, May's going to be a little wild. I got a lot of stuff coming up uh, this month, scheduled out, be gone half the month doing different trips, conferences, work, things like that. But I'm excited, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. My wife's about to finish out school. You talk, you know? you talk like you're an in-demand speaker. I'm telling you, I, after Tattoos and Jesus launched, I've already booked about four or five conferences that I'm going <laughs> to. Um, and it's just – it's crazy. You know, the demand is real. After averaging 100 streams a week right now, I mean, we're, we're, we're good. For real though, we're, we've been streamed in like eight countries, nine countries or something right now. International, welcome to the international tattoos in Jesus. That's right. Once COVID lifts, I mean, we got some Germany, Poland, Netherlands. I mean, we got some traveling to do. So, man, listen. Uh, do you ever? And I know you do because we talk about it. Go back and listen to the uh, shows after we release them um, each Thursday afternoon, and catch yourself making stupid mistakes. And by then it's too late. Uh, so last week, uh, I said trade day about 4,000 times in regards to Aaron Rodgers. It was draft day. Yeah, it was definitely it, draft day. <clears throat> not trade day. Trade day is, a, is an event that happens in Chesney, South Carolina. Trade day. It's a um, – crap, what's that uh, – you put like your stuff goods. out. It's a you like yeah. A what's farmers that? market. Farmers market. What's that thing called? It's not flea market. Flea market. It's a flea market in Chesney. It's called Trade Day. Um, Aaron Rodgers was not in Chesney. He was not on the auction block um, at Trade Day. However, he did request a trade on Draft Day. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, and he also didn't go to the Broncos like I predicted, and apparently ESPN predicted. However, there's still a lot of drama going on with him. Yep, he's still there's still a lot uh, popping off, but the Broncos are a strong favorite, so I'll give you that. Oh man. Anyway, well, a lot of a lot of drama going on in this world. Uh, I'm trying to think. Any other drama going on in your world? I mean, not really. I mean, the the uh, the fact that we have listeners sending us products yeah. has really been encouraging because I was thinking this past week, like, man, you know, we might run out of coffees at some point. Like, we're really going to have to, like, big old 250 cup Ollie's bag or something. Like, we're really going to have to mix it up here. And then you come along. And say, hey, I had two people send me uh, send me coffees to try. So that was that was encouraging. And by two people, it was my wife and my mother-in-law. So uh, shout out to Ashley and Libs uh, for the free coffee. Uh, and we're going to review one of them today. Uh, so let's go ahead and look at that. So today, I've never even heard of this coffee. 
uh, but we're going to review it. It's another espresso. A couple weeks ago, let me pull, let me pull up my little review chart here. We did Cafe Bustello, which apparently in the espresso world is kind of a low-key favorite. I know, Josh, you love it. We gave it a solid Dude. score, 6.35 combined between the two of us. Right. Um, a lot of people like Cafe Bustello. I think this is kind of in that same vein. And, and so if you're a Cafe Bustello person, um, we're looking at – I don't even know how you pronounce this thing. Cafe La Lave. It's Cafe, Cafe La Lave. La, and then Lave. L-L-A-V-E. Cafe La Lave. Have you ever heard of this? Never in my life. It's green. Just like Bustello, it comes in a 10-ounce brick. I mean, it comes in other ways, too, but a 10-ounce brick. Um, all right, let's – I looked up some – because I'd never heard of it. I looked up some facts, fun facts on Cafe La Lave. Let's go ahead and get our sip. Let's go ahead and get our – Palette marinating Cheers. on the dirty brew. Cheers dirty brew the dirt. review. Small styrofoam cup. Oh, that is it. I got listen, y'all can't see this in podcast world, but I got my shout out to the office. I got the world's okayest employee mug. Let me try this stuff. Hmm. Okay. Okay. It's there. Mm. It's on my tongue. It's a wallering. This is this is interesting. All right, keep chewing on it because that's what happens with espressos. It's like daggum oil. You got to chew on it for a little bit. I feel like I'm a, a cylinder in a car. Like I'm a cylinder in the car. What a comparison. That was, that was spot on, man. I'll tell you what. That was like. I'm I feel like my tongue could go for 5,000 miles before I need another dose of this. All right. I Googled it. They have a really pretty website. So here's what it says. <clears throat> I looked up our story. This is touching. Uh, <laughs> this is a family, a family company. Ooh, I love it. Small business. That came out of Cuba during the revolution. Francisco and his family settled in Los Angeles, California. And they returned to the coffee business in 1967, which fulfilled a dream of bringing an authentic taste of home to Latinos everywhere. So that's the story. Wow. Okay. Yep. Cafe La Lava. Cafe La Lava. What do you buy? Okay. Uh, hey, got that for you too. Googled it. <clears throat> uh, Target's got it. Walmart's got it. So, Saboriza.com has it. eBay has it. Liberty Department Stores apparently has it. Mm, never heard right, of that. So here, throw this. I think that's actually the, like the college, Liberty. Um, oh, wow. How okay. much you think? Okay, Got so out. you know how we normally like, why is it? All right, so I was looking up how to brew. I think we talked about this. How do you brew an espresso um, compared to just a regular, like just a medium ground, regular old coffee? And it's really the same, like kind of a tablespoon per cup ratio, generally speaking. <clears throat> but they come in 10-ounce bricks versus regular coffee normally comes in 30-ounce containers. If you're brewing it with the same measurements, why do they sell it in smaller amounts? Like what's – got a pop to it. You're not going to drink as much. Oh, so it should last longer is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how much – I don't remember how much uh, Bustelo is – how much? I can let me check here. The the brick was uh two dollars and some cents. Uh, Bustelo coffee is yeah yeah one hundred and five dollars. How much am I purchasing there? Um, cafe. Got that. You got that real. 
that real Colombian brick right there. Bustelo is yeah, two ninety nine at Target. It's two ninety nine. All right, for ten ounces. So how much do you think ten ounces of this mug is? Ten ounces. Two eighty nine. Two eighty nine. Are you googling it? No, I'm just. I felt like that was right. I felt like that was right in my heart. If I was on prices right right now. I'm pretty. I'd be pretty confident. I'd be jumping up and down. I'm trying to find a, a break. It's okay. Just say I'm right. Okay, it's at $3.99. Oh my gosh. For the yeah. same amount? It's more expensive. This stuff's more expensive. I guess because it's like homegrown, locally made. And there's also like yeah, okay, no minus there. All right. I I went with the tablespoon per cup ratio. That's, I'm going universe. That's I'm I'm staying consistent. Um, that's my metric. And I will say this because I remember the Bustello strongly it had a lot more flavor this la lave got no flavor like i can tell it's got a punch like i got something coming to me here in a little while when this oil makes its way to the uh the engine to the engine um, but it mm, wait till it gets to the exhaust it's gonna put out some smoke you know what you know what let's just just rare let's throw that one back a little bit I oh i hope my catalytic converter catches this you know what yeah, cheers to uh, cheers to that hundred streams going down the drain. Um, I don't like, I don't dislike it though. Like it's good. I just don't feel like it has much of a flavor. And this is gonna sound weird, but you can tell that it's kind of got a twang foreign taste to it though. What are you talking about? I mean, you just gotta know your coffee. So, you know, you it's got that. Have you ever you ever been to Israel? No. I mean, you say like you come at me like that. I'm sorry. I mean, I went to Haiti once. That doesn't count. So Africa, in Israel, Amsterdam, they always serve Alaska in little baby soft, almost like shot glasses, like little little cup. Like every time you walk to a house, yeah, automatic coffee, Arabic Arabic coffee, Arabic beans. Oh, this and, is what this reminds you of. Yeah, and so they just pour it, and you just. The picture and, on their website is in baby cups. That's what the picture is. That's how they do it in Cuba. It's Cuban. Yeah. Baby cups. That's the same same thing. Baby cups. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is I'm drinking way too much of this. No, I'm I mean, I'm I think this is fine to drink a cup of. But so what's you what you got? What's your score? All right, so here's where I'm conflicted the bustilla had a lot more flavor in my opinion but like i told you i don't really care for it i don't like that flavor that dark roasty kind of pool so the fact that this has like a more neutral flavor appeals to me so i like it more oh okay even though it has less flavor and so i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing um <clears throat> all right i got my number take one last sip. Go ahead. Six two. Ooh, I had six one. Really? Yeah. Nice. Six one five. At six one. I, I like the I like the pop, obviously, because I like the I like it strong. I like it. I want it to revitalize my my life for me for mm -hmm. the next couple hours. So that's what it does. But it does. It's not as good of a taste as Cafe Bustelo. It's not. It's not as good. But it's still got that. 
it's a good mix up like if you want to just you know like i i will drink this um i will finish my half bag of this faster than i will finish the bustello like i will i will i'm honestly i'll probably bring you the bustello i don't want that really yeah but i don't like being wasteful i'm not just gonna throw it away i got you and i know you like it it. i do like it it's enjoyable um speaking speaking of enjoyable mental illness anxiety yes (laughs) anxiety speaking of drinking coffee that's right the dirty brew listen it's kind of the same experience in your soul you know one thing when we were talking yesterday we thought you know a lot of times we play a game right now kind of during the coffee review we we do some type of a stupid meaningless debate about (laughs) who who would kill who who in a serial fight um maybe i'm combining games here uh yeah i think you you definitely that might be a good one though i'm taking i want captain crunch against hannibal lecter okay we can't start with donald duck i kind of i like toucan sam as a strong uh underdog but go ahead yeah but what we thought we'd do today is is to just share a more personal note of how mental illness has impacted us personally uh as we kind of then dive into the more clinical side of what is anxiety uh you know and we've talked about and at least touched on at times how there's a lot of stigma attached to mental health right and so one of the best ways that i can think of to try to in my own way break that is just to acknowledge how it it hits me personally you know and so you know some of you that are listening may know this you may have even known me when this was something true you know more true in my life you know most of the times now when I open up about my experience with anxiety, many people are like, you worry, you experience anxiety. What? Like you're really chill, really laid back. And I think that's really one of the struggles with mental illness. Um, amongst other things is, and I'll just speak for me. I'm really good at hiding it. You know, like I don't want people to think I'm screwed up or I don't want to look weird or uncomfortable or, you know, out of place you know and so i i I hide it i keep it inside uh, you know which is part of it it's it's mental it's it's what's going on inside of me and and so i keep it inside and so it's kind of like a a hidden struggle i know in my life um but i know the turning point for me when i think that when i look back on my life and say when did you start to struggle um you know if if my mom was on the episode if my dad was on the episode he they might be able to provide different insight to this but i looked to the fifth grade you know in the fifth grade i moved from pennsylvania to north carolina right and so in really fast progression let me tell you what happened so we move anytime you move it's hard right like you you leave everything you know to something you don't know there's literally not a facet of your life other than your family that's not unchanged or untouched and so everyone is adjusting. So there's an entire adjustment. I go to a new school. Uh, I went to a very small little like private school in like this like basement of a church that ended up sucking horribly. And uh, almost immediately after getting there, there was this guy. Uh, I won't say his name. I really want to say his name because I could still punch him in the face today. Uh, JP, his, his initials are JP though. Um, 
uh, that's it, um, who started bullying me. And uh, so I get there, immediately start getting bullied by this guy uh, to the point he was trying to pick fights with me. Uh, I remember like getting in my car after school, you know, I'm six months into fifth grade, just crying, like, take me home. Don't let me go back. Uh, my grandma gets sick. So we're traveling back and forth to Ohio. My grandma dies. Um, you know, we're doing all these changes. My grandma dies. I'm getting bullied, uh, trying to get plugged in at a new church. You know, I go to a school that nobody else on the planet goes to. There's only like 50 people that go to this school. And so I'm going to a church that, you know, I don't know anybody. They all go to schools together. So it's hard to, you know, kind of get plugged in there. Uh, so it's all this crap, man. It's just, it just sucked. And I just started having trouble, you know, I um, started having trouble sleeping and just feeling anxious. And it really all came to, and that was like fifth grade, but I think it all came to a head like <clears throat> in middle school. Right. And which I think is true for a lot of people seventh eighth grade you know you get these hormones pumping you're like angry and don't know why and it's just like you know just craps hitting the fan and I'll never forget it I <laughs> we used to do these like mission projects and I was standing on like scaffolding or something like behind this lady's house um I still remember my dad was like oh yeah by the way I'm taking you to a counselor next week <laughs> and uh you know we went to see this counselor his name is Richard he was pretty cool um <laughs> And, you know, cause I was just like, I was a mess. And, and the reason my parents were taking me, I don't think they even fully understood like how crazy I was on the inside. They just knew how weird I looked on the outside, you know, like I had trouble sleeping almost every night. I was getting up in the middle of the night with just these intense fears, you know, and I was scared of everything. Um, and if you're, I was real ticky, uh, like if you're Tourette's, like not the whole like screaming out cuss words, but like people have ticks, like these weird like movements. Yeah. I was very ticky. I had a lot of ticks and I still struggle with ticks. Like most people don't know it. Um, I have to really like consciously um, kind of subdue them. And uh, so anyway, it started a process of me addressing it, getting through puberty, getting through high school, learning how to cope and manage uh, was really important. And what I've realized is that stress um, activates the anxiety, go figure, which activates a lot of those kind of uncomfortable behaviors, racing thoughts um, in me. And that when I'm calmer, more relaxed, feeling control, uh, my pace of life is smoother that a lot of that stuff goes down. Um, but when I feel overwhelmed, like it, it gets messy, like even now, uh, like if, if my wife comes home or she walks in and I'm cleaning the house, like straightening up, like putting toys up, cleaning up the bedroom, doing laundry, just going like a madman, she'll be like, what's wrong? Like <laughs> something is terribly wrong because that's my reaction. Like that's, it's like, I'm very OCD. I can be very OCD. And when my anxiety goes through the roof, I just start cleaning. I just start straightening up. I hate clutter. And I just start just like become a madman. Um, and it's hard. It's just, I don't know. It's been a challenge at times. Um, because as a counselor, it's kind of funny because people want you to be able to relate to them. They want you to, 
you know, when I was a drug and alcohol counselor, they wanted, everybody thinks I'm a weed head. Like everybody looks at you, me and says, oh, you got long head, you hair, you've been a weed blower, right? And uh, which is not a true, weed actually. Blower. Yeah, just by that term alone. Right. Well, that's what they would say. Like, I actually had somebody <laughs> say that to me, like, man, you're a weed blower, um, which is not true. <laughs> I've never been addicted to marijuana in my life. Um you know, but they want you to relate to them. And the same is true with mental illness. They'd be like, oh, you're a therapist. What have you struggled with? Right. So on one hand, they want you to relate to them. At the same time, they don't really. They want you to have the answers, right. you know. And so it's, it's a really hard kind of situation to be like, I do feel your pain. I do know what it's like. But then also feeling like you're kind of on this pedestal to not be able to be messed up. That's good. And so it's this weird tension that I feel now where I feel like I'm probably more equipped to deal with anxiety than I've ever been, but also feel more pressure to pretend it's not there than I've ever felt. I don't know. What's your experience been, Josh? No, that's good. I like I like the I was writing down a couple of things as you were talking to kind of bring up later on when we dive into it that I didn't really think about until you were sharing your story. Um <laughs> No, my, my, my side is kind of, I would say it started when I was 20, probably about 22, 23, something like that. And I didn't know what it was. And a lot of people might not know what, a, what anxiety is. And that's something we'll kind of touch on, but it, it was, it was just this weird thing. Like I was driving and still to this day, I, I struggle driving on interstates and things like that because my first ever panic attack happened while I was driving on the interstate. It's coming back from Asheville. And I just had a disconnection, almost like a derealization moment in, as I was driving. And it freaked me out. I pulled over and I just, I didn't know what was happening. And so that happened a couple times the next week. And I was just like, I don't know what's going on, but I didn't know how to handle it. Because at the time, and this is why I love the fact that we can have this podcast and the episode of Tattoos and Jesus, the title is important to me because during that moment, I didn't know what mental illness was. I didn't know what anxiety was. I just knew that I needed to pray and read my Bible more. And in that process, I figured out like those aid in helping relieve the symptoms and help relieve the root issue that was going on, but at the same time, I needed that extra um, mental uh, health therapy side to help me understand why this happened as well. And so the mixture of the two ultimately helped me in the process to kind of um, find the root and kind of keep it under control and, and just, you know, I don't know, it just, it really just opened my eyes to a lot, which is kind of why I started in the route of counseling and therapy and just being intrigued by that but so it uh, was it was from that experience that you then decided to pursue this career you had not you didn't have intention before then it was it was that experience that jolted me back towards that I always had an interest in counseling because I loved helping people and I had an interest in the psychology but I never really had that passion behind it or reason behind it to kind of jolt me forward into pursuing that so yes that experience kind of 
kickstarted me into studying it more until I really felt like I should, this is what I should do. And so that, that, that started me in that process. And there's a lot of other things that happened, but that was the main thing. And so it really helped me. And I'm, and me and a couple of my friends that also struggle with anxiety, talk about it sometimes. It really prepped me and helped me handle a lot more things in my life later in my life. Like later on in my life, my, my battle with anxiety helped, helped and equipped me to handle other situations. And, um, and that's on a, that's on a spiritual side. That's on a mental side. That's on a physical side. That's all of them tied in together. And so that battle kind of refined me as a person overall and anxiety to me is really an opportunity to be more aware of what you can do better or what in your life is is going on to where you can handle it in a certain way or handle it in a healthy way and it pushes you to be a better healthier version of you when you address that you address what's going on um and so yeah i mean for me it was just kind of that it's kind of just like a random generalized anxiety that i didn't know what was going on until i was talking to a friend on a porch and he was like oh yeah that's anxiety and he was he him and his girlfriend were struggling with it and so that led me down you know just researching talking to um a counselor um and it just i don't know it just it was a very interesting experience but something i want to mention that you said that i would like to point out to people who are listening is and this is just the reality of it you're not going to understand the severity of anxiety unless you've had anxiety and kind of like with your parents you know they didn't really know what was going on but they knew something was going on yeah. so if you have never really experienced what anxiety is you're not really going to know the depths of how much yeah. it can ruin somebody's life or drive somebody's life thoughts behaviors and things like that even even if you've had it and you're with somebody that's had it, you don't know how bad it is for that person. Right. Because it can be at different levels for different people. So it's not even a like, <clears throat> you don't want to know, or it's not even, it's just like, you're not capable of knowing. Right. Right. There's yeah. no, there's no blood work I can give to say, oh man, this person's at a seven on the anxiety scale. Right. You know, it's like, it's just something that can be experienced, but it's hard to articulate the severity of. Yes. People experience it differently, right? Like my seven is different than your seven. And my, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's so subjective, which is kind of what makes it kind of awkward and weird to talk about. And I think what gets it some criticism. Um, but I, I love the word that you said, you said opportunity. You said it was an opportunity to grow uh, with future challenges, future circumstances that you face, you know, and that's, you that's a universal principle. You know, one of the, I think one of the biggest hangups in our society today is we're stuck on instant gratification and instant answers. And anytime we run into a barrier, we perceive it as a problem. You know, when the, the reality is, is, yeah, it sucks. Like, do I wish you had anxiety? Do I, no. But when you can reframe it to say, I hate the fact that I have this challenge, but let me use it as an opportunity to grow so that hopefully maybe it will make me better in the future. That immediately changes the game a little bit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. It shifts your complete focus from I have anxiety, my life is over to I have anxiety. Let's figure out how to be resilient. Let's figure out how to be, you know, have an opportunity to grow, to be healthy. And, and when you do that, your anxiety itself shrinks. And it's, the depths a, of it. it's, it's amazing scary. what we as humans can accomplish when we have a purpose. When what we're going through has purpose, we can, I mean, we can do crazy things, right? Yeah. Like you hear about moms picking cars up off their kids. You know, when, when there's a purpose, when you're living for something bigger than yourself, like when there's something out there, like you can accomplish a lot. So even when you can take your anxiety and you can spin it and give it purpose and meaning and value, it immediately becomes more tolerable. That's good. Yeah, the the purpose, and that's that's. I guess with, and this is a completely side note, but dealing with adolescence, it's hard to tap into that because they're so young, they don't know what purpose means. Yeah, but their purpose is to make it the three o'clock where they can play Grand Theft Auto. Exactly, and so the purpose it just changes motivation. It changes the way you live life. Um, so, well, let me ask you this with uh, both of our experiences and with the, with what we talked about in understanding the depths and how different people experience different depths of anxiety, what would be the difference between anxiety and being stressed and worrying? Because I think it goes back to last week. And if y'all haven't listened to last week, it's a great, Marty does a great breakdown of what mental illness is. So for anxiety, where does it, where does it break the circle? Where does it, where does it, when does it become um, a struggle for people to where they need help in some way? Yeah. What is the difference in anxiety and stress and worry. All right, you put me on the spot right now because we did not pre-discuss this question. Don't shake your head yes at me right now. You may have written it down, whatever. Listen, all right, here's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, here's the... Um... Like what makes it, what makes it severe, like... Yeah, I yeah. Guess. I'm trying to I'm trying to triage my thinking really quick to make sure that I'm not missing a link here. But when okay. I my immediate thought was this: anxiety is an experience. Stress and worry tends to be a fixation. Anxiety can be experienced in a lot of different ways. Stress can lead to anxiety. There's lots of different things that create stress. Stress, stress is, is, is exertion. Stress, it can be emotional. Uh, stress can be, you know, emo you're emotionally uh, stretched too far. It can be your fit, you have physical illness that takes you too far. Stress can be, your time is limited. You know, there's lots of stuff that puts stress on your body that puts you at an emotionally compromised place that leads to you exhibiting anxiety so stress can lead to anxiety but stress is not anxiety 
because stress can also lead to depression. Stress can also lead to anger. Yeah. Uh, which can be a symptom of anxiety. Uh, but it, stress is an experience that can lead to anxiety, but it is just, it's a, it's a it's thing. Not as, it's not as, so is it the way, would you say it's the way that people handle stress because it's hard to avoid yeah. it in general? Well, that, yeah, that's the thing is everybody handles things differently, right? Like, so most people, so we talked about this, I think last week, stress and anxiety, I mean, anxiety and depression are the two most prevalent mental health disorders in the world, uh, in the country for sure. And so most people, if they're sitting in front of you, they're going to lean in one direction or another, right? And so like if me and my wife were sitting here, if we went through the same situation, I nine times out of, nine times out of 10, I'm going to lean towards anxiety, but can still become de depressed if the circumstances mm -hmm were appropriate but more times than not i'm going to get anxious my wife's the opposite she leans towards feeling depressed but she still experiences anxiety in a very real way yeah very similar yeah. um that you know they're very similar um and so but we all have our tendencies in which direction we lean and how we handle things and the, so the same thing is with worry worry is a is a fixation on something it's it's a it's a it's where we're putting our minds it's the object of our fear it's an obsession does that make sense yeah so it's a fixation that can lead to anxiety but it is not the anxiety but then anxiety can lead to more worry right it's like, a, it can, it can, it's a contributor to the actual yeah. monster that is anxiety mm -hmm. and the way you handle stress and worry because i i encounter people all the time and you don't know how to gauge it it's like man i got anxiety okay i don't know like for for us you come in you you, you say you have anxiety we don't know the depths yeah and at and sometimes you don't even know if they're just stressed like okay you had a bad day at work it's just, that's normal but anxiety right. is a whole nother level of mental illness sure. than your your daily struggles with stress and worrying about yeah we use the term anxiety a little tongue-in-cheek in society right. exactly. whereas there's like capital a anxiety clinical label treatable diagnosis symptoms and then there's the tongue-in-cheek i'm feeling a little anxious today feeling a little wound up you know there's a difference right. kind of like and you're right we don't know the depths of it like the other day i had somebody come in and they're like hey man, I've been having panic attacks. I'm thinking panic attacks. Like that's frequent. Like that doesn't sound enjoyable, you know? And, um, and I'm like, what's been going on, <sighs> man. Sometimes I just feel flushed. That's it. Like that's, that's your panic attack. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah, you know, because what we know as counselors is when somebody says panic attack, immediately I think is you feel like your world is caving in. You feel like blinders are coming around. You have no peripheral vision. You feel your test shining up. Your heart is speeding up. You can't breathe and you think you are dying. That is not feeling flushed. Right. Big right. difference. And so you can't just take language at surface value. You need some right. definitions. Right. And it's that. It goes perfect with what you talked about last week. That's why we have that circle. We have that circle mm -hmm. of criteria that we kind of go by to understand what the difference is between normal feeling and what the difference is between mental illness, the severities of mental illness, you know, and I think that's a good 
description of anxiety in a way is to to say anxiety really impacts your life and forces your life to become different in a negative way because Mm -hmm. it's altered it that much it's not the fact that you get stressed sometimes at work but it's the fact that your anxiety has almost forced you to become a different person act a different way think differently constantly if if my memory is correct i think it has to be life altering for at least one month if not three months to be diagnosable and so let me let me just define it a little bit so here's here's the the complicated part let me get in the weeds a little bit here uh josh is gonna give us some information in a minute but when we diagnose you're looking we're looking at symptoms we're looking at the the manifestation of symptoms to shine a light of what's going on in the inside that's how we understand anxiety is through symptoms but we also need to know what's going on in the inside that's actually creating the symptoms and so quickly the first thing we're going to need to do is are you physically healthy Right. The number one thing we learn in grad school is to say, have you seen a doctor recently? Because the last thing we want to do is to assume that you have anxiety or some psychological disorder when really you have hyperthyroidism. You have some mental health condition um, or you appear to have a mental health condition that's actually a physical condition that needs medical intervention. Right. So let's assume medical interventions happened. There's no medical problems. So we're looking at symptoms to try to figure this out. And so when it comes to anxiety specifically, what we're looking at is that there's a prolonged period of, lo- of time where your life is distressed with feelings of overwhelmed, worry, um, that idea yes. of anxiety that we understand. What's the time frame that it has to cover, Josh? Do you know? Yeah. So, um, so what it's saying is an excessive anxiety and worry occurring more days than not for at least six months six months six months and that's for generalized anxiety okay. so i just want to general which is your just run-of-the-mill anxiety if somebody says i have anxiety that's what they're talking about gad generalized anxiety disorder and a lot of times we're not going to run through all the criteria that right that would take too much time but normally what you're going to be looking for is if you're experiencing anxiety and many of us have had this you know think about if 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 you've ever had to become a public speaking you know right before you go on stage you're going to experience a lot gastrointestinal intestinal distress you know you may feel the need to throw up or like you're going to be nauseous sick at your stomach you feel like you're going to have diarrhea um you may feel flushed you may feel sweaty clammy palms um kind of a heart rate may jump up uh you may have trouble talking you may feel kind of your like your mind's racing, like you can't just capture your thoughts. Um, just this, just this general sense of being overwhelmed and confused. Uh, I mean, would you describe it in any other way? Um, no, I was just going to say, um, like the excessive worry and the excessive anxiety that occur more days than not, that has a list. And so if it's, if it's this excessiveness is portrayed in the symptoms of restlessness, being easily fatigued, difficulty concentrating or mind going blank, irritability, muscle tension, sleep disturbance. And so if you have half of those for more days than not, mm-hmm. then 
technically, I mean, there's a couple other, but they'll probably follow right along yeah. suit there um, that you'll be diagnosed with that. One of the things, man, we could, we could almost do two sessions on this um, to really dive into it. Probably not going to do that. Maybe we'll, we'll do a second session down the road. Is I want to look at what's below the surface, right? Anybody can Google what are the symptoms of anxiety. That doesn't help us get better. What I do want to help us understand, though, is what's causing those symptoms, right? Like I can I can walk out and tell you that a fruit is rotten on a tree. Oh, man, Marty, you're a genius. You observed rotten fruit, right? The real genius is the person that can look at the soil and tell you why, why it doesn't, yep. why the roots are not getting the nutrients and what they need to do to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so let me be a genius here for a minute. No. Um, <laughs> hey. Tell, give us the breakdown. Give us the breakdown right. of hey, anxiety. Anxiety, form. generally speaking, is fear. Actually, not generally speaking. It is. Anxiety is fear 100% of the time. It is fear. It is forward-focused fear. You cannot be anxious about something in the past. Now, it may have been something in the past that created the fear about something in the future, such as a car accident in the past, or like you mentioned, you were in a uh, pan you had a panic attack on the interstate. So now driving on the interstate now creates a sense of anxiety because of there's a small level of fear that future panic attacks could occur in a similar environment, right? Exactly. But it's yep. not because you're anxious over that past panic attack, right? It's about potential future panic attacks. That's right. important to realize is is the past can create the fear, but the fear is about present moment forward, right? But it's always fear-based. And so if you want to understand why am I anxious, right? Right, what am I scared of? What is my fear? And there might be multiple fears, but there's always a fear present. That fear may be generalized, such as I don't feel safe, or it may be specific, such as X person will hurt me, or this situation will hurt me, or it, so it may be specific or it may be general, but there's always a fear connected to the experience. Um, and so anxiety is fear. And so then what happens is our bodies go into when, when fear is activated, right? Just like in trauma, just like when an emergency happens, when fear is activated, it sends us into fight or flight mode. It, 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 it activates this emergency processing system within our nervous system um, called the sympathetic nervous system, right? And our body starts to release cortisol. Cortisol is the substance that ramps us up. Um, and so it prepares us for action. And so what happens is our body is in this perpetual state of go. And so anxiety is our body living in this fear of being ready to act. The problem is we're living in a stagnant world that doesn't need to act. Right. It's kind of like adrenaline or it is adrenaline. Cortisol is also connected to adrenaline, right? And so like if you're walking across the road and a car flies out of nowhere, you need cortisol to pump. You need adrenaline to pump because you need that extra burst to get out of the way before the car hits you. But if you're strolling through trade day, searching for Aaron Rodgers to purchase, right? and adrenaline is pumping, 
all you feel is this ambient sense of energy that has nowhere to go, aka anxiety. Right. And would you say in that particular moment, you're strolling through trade day, which is just funny to say, um, and your anxiety is going the fear in the moment is anxiety itself because nothing's triggered it would you say like no. it's like it's what triggers of, it yeah like if they're in the moment probably nine times out of ten they're just going through trade day and they just feel the anxiety yeah are they just fearful of the anxiety itself because i've talked to people who have had just issues with anxiety you have anxiety about anxiety yeah no hey that's a good point so let me answer that with a, a couple different thoughts here Yes. So what triggers anxiety? Um, there's a few different things. So some of it is just, we just have, some people have genetic tendencies to be anxious. They're still grounded in fears. Uh, we just have this general sense that something bad's going to happen. Like it's still grounded in a fear. Um, and so being in society activates that fear. Being in crowds of people activate that fear. Um, one of the number one fears as people get older is being in crowds that hasn't ha that hasn't improved in probably the last five to ten years with mass shootings and the coverage coverage of mass shootings. I'm sure that fear has continued to increase, uh, and so that's in in studies as people have gotten in their 20s, 30s, 40s. That's the fear that grows the most. Where most fears actually decline with age, that one actually goes up. Um, and so there's usually an activating event, whether it be getting in a car, getting into a crowd seeing a family member, seeing a friend, seeing a person, seeing somebody of the opposite gender. Yeah, I mean, whatever it is, like there's usually an activating event that cues it to be present, um, whether we realize it or not. Gotcha. And that's the key. Like we may not even realize it. And that's important. I'm going to get to this in a minute. I don't want to get distract distracted, but I want to say this while I'm thinking about it. Our bodies are smarter than we are. And they pick up on stuff before we do. And we need exactly. to recognize that, remember it, and respect it. So, all right, let me go back to your point, though. And that is sometimes is our anxiety breeds anxiety, especially with panic attacks. Yeah. yeah. One thing that I teach uh, my patients um, when they've had a panic attack is that <clears throat> the only pure panic attack you've ever had is your first one. The only pure one you've ever had was your first one, because after that, if you've had a genuine panic attack, you thought you were going to die. It was the worst experience of your entire life. You probably called 911. You probably were convinced you were going to have a heart attack, and you probably ended up in the ER. It was horrible. It was so horrible that it, the experience of the panic attack itself was traumatizing to the point that when you started to have similar symptoms, even if those symptoms if on their own wouldn't have taken you to a panic attack, they incited a panic attack because you were panicking about the panic. Right. So you may have only experienced 70% panic the second time. The extra 30 was panic about the panic. Right. But it took you to another panic attack. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so you end up not having the same after the first panic attack, your resiliency is lower. 
And then the more you have, the more you have, and the more you have, your resiliency to fight them off is lower. Um, and so then the same is true for anxiety. The more you experience it, the less resiliency you have. And the, I guess the bigger the foothold it, it tends to have in your life. Um, and so, yes, absolutely. Anxiety can breed anxiety, you know, because if I know when I go into a crowd, I get anxious. As I drive to trade day, as I drive to the mall, as I go to the concert, now I'm having anticipatory anxiety. So used to, I showed up to the concert with no anxiety, but gradually escalated once I got there. Now I'm showing up to the concert anxious because I'm anxious about becoming anxious. So I'm starting, starting at a deficit and, and it's getting worse from there, right? Well, then if I'm not getting any better, now I'm at home getting ready for the concert, getting anxious because I'm anxious, knowing I'm going to be anxious driving to the concert, thinking about being anxious at the concert, right? You see how this thing snowballs? Oh, yeah. And I know some people that it's, man, it's the week of, I'm already feeling it. Yeah. It's the anticipation of exactly feeling the anxiety because exactly what you said, when they purely experienced a panic attack or they purely experienced anxiety, it was traumatizing and they don't want right. to go through that again. Anxiety is not fun. No, it is the opposite of fun. So here's, let me, let me circle back around to what I said a minute ago. It's not fun. And if you've ever had a panic attack, it not only is it not fun, it is miserable. However, it's your body speaking to you. Exactly. One of our biggest, one of our, one of the, the tendencies that we have as people is to, to stray away from things that make us uncomfortable. Anxiety is, it's embarrassing. It's uncomfortable. So sometimes we try to pull away from it. We try to mask it. We try to medicate it. And in doing all of those things, we might feel better, um, but we don't become better. And that's the struggle. You're anxious for a reason. Don't view it as a negative. View it as a sign. Your body is telling you that something's out of balance, right? Now, it might be out of balance for all the wrong reasons. You know, it might be based on a lie. Well, if it's based on a lie, then you need to shatter the lie so that the anxiety doesn't need to present itself anymore. You need right. to confront the lie, right? Like, for example, Josh, you had a panic attack on the interstate. There's no reason for you to have another one on the interstate. So you can right. confront that and the anxiety diminishes. On the flip side, maybe you're anxious because your body's telling you something you do need to respect. Right. Right. Think about you ever been you've been somewhere and you get that feeling of anxiety and there's some a person that gives you the heebie jeebies You're in a situation when you start to feel a certain kind of way around somebody. Um, and. And it's like, do I listen to my body or do I not listen? Do I stay or do I go? Right. You know. You know, and unfortunately, I've heard stories from patients where like, you know what, I just took a couple shots, got to feeling better. And then that guy took advantage of me. Yeah. And then that person did something they shouldn't have. Right. Well, no, there's a reason you felt anxious. Your body was telling you that something was wrong and you needed to respect it um, because there was something you needed to address. Right. I think that's good. That's good because. A lot of times 
we as humans in general, we handle and manage symptoms, but we never kill the root of anxiety. And so the symptoms seem to continue to come up and we continue to manage them without going deeper to what the real root reason of anxiety is. That's right. And so. Yeah. Which, what is, what is that fear? What is the fear that exactly fuels you've mentioned the fear, like the belief behind the fear? Like, what are you believing about the fear that's causing you to be so anxious to where you can't go to a concert because you, where you can't think about this, you can't like, I, and, and I would love for people to actually, they probably won't get this far, but some people might not even listen to this podcast because it makes them anxious talking about anxiety or hearing people talk about anxiety. And like, it's, it's not a healthy way to live. Right. So for it's a, you, it's as, a miserable way to live. So in your opinion, what is something practical a coping skill a management skill that we can give our listeners to help them manage the anxiety manage the symptoms in the process of figuring out what this root is what is the root fear behind their anxiety what is something that can help them lead somewhat a normal life Mm -hmm. before they can really get to the to the root of this because it takes time absolutely because you're right like while we try to figure out what is it what is the fear that's fueling this is it legitimate is it not legitimate what do I do with it is there something I can do with it you know that doesn't mean that you're helpless until you do that um there's still a ton of things that you can do kind of on that surface level um to help kind of like we talked about the fruit of the trees right we can we can spray the fruit and still improve the health and so practically speaking what I talked about what's going on the nervous system is inflamed cortisol is flowing so what you want to do is you want to reverse that process right and so once you understand what it is that you're doing biologically the interventions make a lot more sense i remember when people used to say marty you need to to take deep breaths you need to sit calmly with both feet on the ground and breathe into a brown paper bag i'm like man this is some voodoo weird hoodoo crap right then I started to learn the biology behind some of the behaviors and I became a believer once it made sense. So the reality is we can, we can intervene with our biology and it reverses the effects that we're feeling psychologically. And it's real simple. Our breathing reverses the effects of the cortisol and the anxiety and that fight or flight. Right. So breathing slow and breathing deep isn't just to distract you. It literally slows you back down and reverses the process um, and will 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 reverse the anxiety. The key, though, is you have to do it for periods of time, not like take three deep breaths and you're healed. No, do it for like two to three minutes slow deep breaths. I'm not going to give you an illustration. Google it. There's a million different ways that you can do deep breathing. Find one that works for you and then practice it. Practice makes perfect. Do something you're familiar with um, and then practice it. And I guarantee you that it will work. I I do it myself. Um, Number two, exercise, not extensive exercise, basic exercise. You're feeling overwhelmed. Walk outside, walk around, stand up and do some jumping jacks. 
do some push-ups, do a couple sit-ups, light workouts, depending on your physical abilities to get your blood flowing and to get, get things moving in a positive direction. Just talking it out, you know, verbally processing information can be helped. Journaling is also an externalization of what's going through your head can be hugely beneficial. But if I had to tell you one thing to do to reverse anxiety, I would say drink alcohol. Oh, I'm wow. just kidding. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Don't I drink alcohol. That doesn't help. Um, alcohol and Xanax. No, bad idea. Um, one thing I would have to like plant my flag in is regulate your breathing. That is the number one most beneficial way to reverse anxiety in the fastest period of time, whether it be a panic attack or just basic anxiety, right? Um, and so also look up like the five senses, anything you can do to engage your five senses in the here and now, because we've already talked about anxiety is, is becoming distracted with a fear that's not based in this moment, most likely. A panic attack is definitely probably not based in the moment, right? And so anything that brings you back to the moment, right? Splash your face with cold water, grab some keys and squeeze them, right? Create some pain sensations. Um, so something, you know, start counting uh, how many, you know, how many chairs are in the room, right? So doing things with your senses is really important. So there's really cool. There's this thing called like the five senses activity. Yeah. And um, anyway, we're out of time. And so I'm not going to go through all of that stuff. But Let the number one thing that I push is breathing, breathing, breathing. If you can figure out a way to breathe um, slowly, steadily, do 10 deep breaths, uh, and then you, and if you still feel wound up, do 10 more deep breaths. If you still wound up, do 10 more deep breaths and you do it until you don't feel wound up anymore. And it works, it works, it works because it deep breathing literally biologically, physiologically reverses the fight or flight physiological response of cortisol in the body. Um, it's not psychological, it's biological. And so it works. So that's my, that's my plug. Counselor, All right, guys. Coping tip of the day. That's it. We're out of time. Uh, man, this session was uh, went way faster and way, way more stuff than I thought it was going to. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Josh. Good. This has been good. And we may we may expound on this a little bit later. We on may, time, may have to. You know, we we enjoyed it. And yeah. I mean, just to throw this out there, as therapists and counselors, if you feel like you are struggling. Do not allow the stigma to hold you back from reaching out and getting the help you need from a counselor, from a therapist, some, from, you know, some, something, somebody that is trained to help you figure this out, because that is the whole reason for me is not only to make you aware of if you have a mental illness, but also how to handle the mental illness. So That's right. reach out to, to somebody and um, get it figured out. I mean, Absolutely. that's, that's the biggest thing. So, um, this podcast alone will probably not do that for you, uh, but we can, we can help in any way we can. So, all right, guys, email us your questions, large, the number 23 on sweetwheat at yahoo.com. Uh, or we need to listen, send us an email and we'll give you our mailing address and you can mail us free coffee and we will be happy to review it and give y'all a plug. Uh, anyway, uh, it's been a pleasure. Y'all behave yourselves. Peace out.